thank You, Lord, for Your amazing grace. Lord, getting what we don't deserve. And Father, as we have been looking at what the Bible teaches about church, Your church, we understand and we are reminded, even through that song, that it is all because of Your amazing grace. Lord, we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. None of us deserve Your grace. And yet we're here. And we can rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We can rejoice that we are new creations. We can rejoice that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. All because of Your amazing grace. And for that we are eternally grateful. So Father, now as we open Your Word once again... We ask You through the Holy Spirit to be the teacher. Lord, that we would not just be hearers, but doers. And in the doing, in the obedience, in the walking, by faith and in the Spirit, You would continue Your transformation, Your metamorphosis. The sanctification where we become more and more like Jesus as we walk by faith and not by sight. So, so we love You. We love Your Word. And now I ask You to do what only You can do for each one of us gathered here. For You know us best. And our desire, Lord, is just to honor You with our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Let's start in Romans 12. Romans 12. This year, our theme, if you're new, if you're visiting, is Transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 have been foundational core voice uh, verses for us. We've looked at it. We, we, we looked at each word. We looked at it in various um, applications. And now, the last few weeks, we've been looking at transformation in the context of the local church, the church universal, and then now today, the local church. Because if we're not careful, we can get enthused about transformation, metamorphosis, right? We, with the word picture of the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, this supernatural work of the Lord in us, right? And through us. If we're not careful, we can, in our enthusiasm, forget the fact that transformation is not done in isolation. Okay? It's very important. And, and it sounds very simple, until you are confronted by the biblical teaching about the church and belonging to one another and, and you're not your own, right? And you look at the model of the early, early church and they're very communal in nature. Everyone's sold with the, you know, for the needs. And suddenly this idea that, you know what, my faith is my faith. And, and it's kind of, you know, over as in being in pastoral ministry the last 25 years, it's kind of a, 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 a touchy subject because we want to encourage all of you individually. Do your disciplines. Do your disciplines, your daily disciplines. Do what you need to do to grow in the Lord, right? And what we might inadvertently be encouraging you to do is be isolated because it's just me and Jesus. And if it's just me and Jesus, then I really don't need the other people in the church. Right? And we have to be very, very careful because that can push some of the, 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 the buttons we may have grown up with. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we, we get this admonition in, in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, right? What's kind of one of the core values of the society we live in? Hey, man, it's all about you. You're, we live in a very individualistic, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. If you ask for your help, you're weak, Right? The American dream is my American dream. I don't need anybody. 
I, I'm just speaking my own testimony. I grew up that way. How many of you, when it came to junior high and high school and maybe college, you dreaded, the, these are the words you dreaded in class. We're going to have a group project. Are you serious? That means I have to carry the group. Because I don't want anyone to mess up my A. Anyone? How many of you dreaded group project because you felt, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, please, please, give me the smart ones. Give me the, give me the ones that do the homework. Please give me the ones that do the homework. Why? Because I didn't want you to mess up me and my GPA. And you get what I'm saying? And so we, we, we kind of get this reinforced. And so we, some people embrace. How many of you like group projects? Okay, everyone turn in and go, eh, right? So some people are wired differently. Group projects, hey, yeah, let's do this in groups. Others are like, oh, I could get this done in half the time. Anyone? This is, oh, right? And, and if we're not careful, that individualistic, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, don't ask for help, you don't need anybody mentality comes into the church. And suddenly, your church experience is all about you because you don't really need anyone because the church is made up of imperfect people, right? You hear me joke all the time around here. If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up, right? There is no perfect church. So turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I'm not perfect. Just turn, go ahead. Let's just settle it right now. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Right? And then, and then give them the grace and say, and neither are you. Go ahead and just say, and neither are you. Right? But we get caught up in that in the church. And, I've, I've, you know, we joked about, like, as a pastor and as with little kids and just being married, we know that there can be tension in the home on Sunday. And you can be, get into it, even on the ride here. And I told you that, you know, you park over there in the bank. And this is the miracle road. Because you're, you close the door and you cross the street. And by the time you get to this side of the door, hi, hi, how are you? Good. How's your week? Good. How's your marriage? Wonderful. This is like Miracle Road right here. Miracle Road. Right? And we get caught up in this. You know, like, oh, you know, I don't want, I don't want people to know my business. What if they really see me for who I am? Am I still going to belong there? Right? And so out of fear maybe or out of pride and ego or, or self-reliance, this, this idea, this biblical truth that the church is the body. Everyone say the body. Whoo! Ah, that's, 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 that's not as easy as it sounds. Because I shared with you before, I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition. So a church... I liked the idea that church is a place I went to, and then when it was done, I left, because then I got to be in charge again. Right? So I grew up with this, that the church fit me, fit my agenda, fit my schedule. I joke with you, right? We would go Sunday morning unless the Chargers were playing. Then church didn't fit. We went Saturday night service, Saturday night mass, because really the church was, was supposed to fit me. And get with my plan, right? And so on this last few weeks, we've been going, Lord, kind of refocus us about your church. Because it is his church. And I've encouraged you the last few Sundays, don't check out on me. Because I know it's like, you know, preaching to the choir. It's like church. Oh, we're at church, aren't we? Why do we need to look at what the Bible says? I'm already there, right? Are you? Are you? Because... Your biblical understanding and your biblical application of church as it was meant to be by him will radically transform your experience. Will radically transform your enthusiasm to be here. When that alarm went off this morning and you were so tempted, it's raining. Oh, it's so comfortable. Just one snooze tap. Oh, I, I can hear the rain. Oh. Huh? Huh? When the rubber meets the road about church? Is it a priority? Are you enthused to get up and get here? Hmm? 
You know, and, and we have our up days and our down days, right? Pastorally. Oh, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> you know, it's a choice we make. But it is, it is radically impacted by our understanding, our beliefs about church. And where do we go here for our beliefs about church? Word of God. Word of God, right? So let's just do a very quick review for those who, who um, haven't been with us. Let's turn to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Let's just start there. Matthew 16, 18. It's in your notes there, right? The word church is really a secular word. It's ecclesia, an assembly of called out ones. In a context, whenever you were in a town or a village and, and they needed to gather all the citizens together, they would ring a bell or do some sign of sound and all the citizens of the city would gather to take care of business. And that was called ecclesia. That's where we get the word church. It's just a gathering. It's a gathering of the citizens and then the church kind of adopted it and we call our gathering church, Right? So Matthew 16:18 Jesus says, "And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it." So right off the bat, right? We joke around here, it's not Richie's church, it's not Chad's church, it's not Ron's church, it's whose church? It's God's, Jesus. Jesus says, "I will build my church." Foundational since really week 1 here. It's his church. His church. We're just stewards of it. We're, we're stewards of it. And in order for his church, the organism, everyone say organism. Okay, the church is an organism. It's the body of Christ. So we're not looking for success. We want to be healthy. Radical difference. We want church health. We want us to be healthy. If we're going to be a healthy organism, if we're going to be a healthy body of Christ, we need to operate according to the, the builder, the boss the builder right and so we've been talking about that right one of the key things that we've learned turn to first corinthians 12 right so it's his church he's going to build it his way first corinthians 12 first corinthians 12 first corinthians 12 12 the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, labor free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So we, we spent a, a whole Sunday really looking at this biblical truth that if you're a believer on Jesus, if you're a Christian, you're already in the church universal. Because the church universal is made up of all true believers. So you're already in. See, that already kind of can, can challenge some of us. Because we like to decide. We like to decide stuff. Right? We're, we're, in, we're in the pilot seat. So this, this simple truth, one verse, right? We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, which means you're already in. So it's not a question of, well, do we want to be part of the church? No, the real question is, Lord, if I'm already in, what am I supposed to be doing? And then it can get real uncomfortable really quick because then it starts to touch your time, your energy, your resources, your priorities. Because you're already in His church. He's the boss. Everyone say, He's the boss. So He calls the shots. It's His church, His way. So there's already this idea of yielding and surrendering. Oh, how many of you love those two words, yield and surrender? Anyone? Did anyone wake up today and say, I love yielding. I love surrendering. Anyone? Not a, not a hand. So even in this broad concept of, yeah, woohoo, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm baptized into the church. Oh, what? It's yours? Oh, what? It's your way? Oh, what? I have responsibilities and roles in your church? Oh. Hmm. It's one of those, hmm. Everyone go, hmm. Right? That's code for, I don't think I like that, Lord. Hmm. Anyone ever come across Scripture? You're like kind of cruising along and, and you read Scripture and it touches your heart and you're like, 
Hmm. Hmm. It's one of those hmm moments because it touches that, that area of transformation that he wants to work on. Right? So you're already in. You're already in. The question is, Lord, show me through your word what I'm supposed to be doing since I'm already in. Right? Since I'm already in. And last week we said, okay, how do we, if you're struggling with this already inness and he's the boss, we went back to covenant, the nature of covenant. We have, you have to settle that issue. Okay, so Luke, turn to Luke. Go back a couple books in your Bible, a few books. Luke 22. Luke 22. If you missed last Sunday, it's probably good to listen because we really spent some time on this idea of covenant. Covenant. Luke 22:20. Jesus says in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. If you are a believer in Christ, you enter into the new covenant with Jesus. It's called a covenant relationship. Okay? How many of you have ever heard the phrase, oh, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship? Right? Well, you have to be real crystal clear on what kind of relationship. It's not a buddy-buddy. It is way, way more significant than Jesus is my buddy. The nature of your covenant relationship with Jesus, when he says this is the new covenant, he uses a very specific word, and it's in your notes there, it's diatheke, which means greater to lesser, which means the greater sets the terms and the lesser can only accept it or reject it. Okay? The gospel, John 3, 16, 17, 18, John 14, 6, God sets the terms of salvation. It's good news, but it's not up for negotiation. Amen? You can accept it or reject it. When you accept it, you are entered into a diatheke covenant of greater to lesser from here on out. Why is that tough? Because before you knew Christ, who was the greater? Who was large and in charge? Who was in the pilot seat? See? So here's the challenge. You, you before you knew Jesus, you were the greater. You were behind the wheel. You come to know Jesus, he opens your eyes to the truth of sin and salvation and redemption. You're like, oh Lord, yes. I put my faith on Christ. And Jesus says, well, take up your cross and follow me. Because it's now diatheke. If you understand diatheke covenant, so much of Jesus' words about obedience and, and submission and yielding and taking up your cross, it all makes sense because he's always the greater and we're always the lesser. What happens in our, in our sanctification where we start to struggle and butt heads with the Lord is when we want to call it a soonthake. A soonthake covenant is me and Bill negotiate a contract. It's between equals. It's peers. So oftentimes when I'm struggling with God, I want to turn diatheke into soonthake. Oh, really? Really, Lord, I have to forgive? Really? Can we talk about this? Can we negotiate? I'll give more. Right? And, and sometimes we want to bargain with God. And, and, and He's so gracious and patient with Right? And sometimes in His graciousness and His patience, He goes, oh, No. Give it to me. And, and, and our transformation, our metamorphosis, really is more and more walking in diatheke with Him. Trusting Him. That's the walk of faith. That's the walk in the Spirit. That's the walk of yieldedness. Is diatheke, right? So, so we're in that. And it goes back to redemption and being bought. What did we see last Sunday? You are not your own. Woo! The Bible says you have been bought with a price. And that price was what? The blood of Christ? First Corinthians says you are not your own. Man, there's another value that just... Because in the United States, it's all about private property. It's all about my kingdom. It's mine. How many of you have ever had a child in your house say, it's mine? How many of you as adults tend to say, it's mine? It's mine, 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 mine. And along comes 1 Corinthians and he says, you're not your own. Your very life is not your own. You've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. 
And last week we ended in a very wonderful way for many of you. And we said, well, if I'm struggling with not even being my own, how do I get to that place of just surrender, Lord? You go back to the cross. Redemption. Your lostness. Amen? And you say, Lord, I was completely lost. I was blind. I was your enemy. I was, bl- I was just walking in darkness. You opened my eyes through the blood of Jesus. What, what can I claim to be mine? It's all yours. I was on my way to hell. Now I'm on my way to heaven. You're, you're pleased with me? How many of you just go like that? It's all yours. I'm going to argue with you over $10? It, here, take it all. If you understand redemption and the eternal significance of who you are today. Amen? How many of you can celebrate, literally celebrate who you are in Christ today? The miracles He's done, right? The people He's brought into your life. The provision He's made. Why is that? Redemption. His grace. So He says, hey, you're now part of my church. And we're, we're learning that, that we're not our own and we belong to one another. Look at this. Turn to Romans 12. This is a very powerful verse for us. For those of you who struggle with doing group projects, look at this. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 4. Romans 12, verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member what? Oh, with enthusiasm. Come on now. Each member. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and smile. Each member belongs to all the others. I don't like group projects, Lord. I just feel like I got to put in a group project. That's inconvenient. That's inconvenient for me. That's uncomfortable. What if I don't like who's in my group? Each member belongs to all the others. See? Church becomes something radically different if you understand and appropriate these truths. When you got in your car this morning, did you get that? Did you come this morning going, I'm going to a place where I belong to everybody else? Or was it, take this the right way. Man, I hope the music's good today. I hope he preaches something good that I haven't heard before. I hope it's not too hot. I hope they have sprinkled donuts because last week they didn't have sprinkled donuts. Or what? Or maple, right? See, Ernie's, Ernie's honest. He wanted maple. Sorry, bro. I ate the last one. Anyway, um, oftentimes, okay, if, if our view of church is not quite where it needs to be biblically, we're coming to church for me. What I'm going to get out of it. What I hope to feel. What I hope to experience. And then we come with scorecards and... and you know, our agendas, and then we evaluate whether that was a good service or not. Right? Did I get anything out of it? I'm just telling you words that have come out of this mouth. Right? And I shared with you before, is church about being a getter or a giver? Is your view of church about what you're going to get or what you can give? Because when you... When you I've challenged you before. When you wake up on a Sunday morning and you are purposing to come here, here's a wonderful prayer. Lord, what can I give today? Who can I hug? Who can I say hello to? Who can I serve coffee to? All of us are in this together. Amen? So if we all come with the, the unified heart of, Lord, let's come together on a Sunday and let's all be givers... Everyone leaves blessed. But if we all kind of come with this, well, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? Then we all kind of leave, you know, he's mad about the donuts. 
Someone's mad. Kathy's mad because she's, she's hot because she's fanning herself, right? She's mad at Tyler because, you know, he didn't get the AC fixed this week. Right, Lexi? Right? Right? Because we didn't get what we thought we should get. Then, then there's all these expectations. And then, you know, someone says something in the fellowship hall and, and steps on your toes or someone didn't say hi to you. Ooh. I mean, right? I've been in this 25 years. I've heard it all. People have left angry after singing Jesus loves me and hallelujah, praise the Lord. I have seen people leave angry over the craziest things. The craziest things. Or somebody comes and someone is in your seat. And it ruined, it ruined your service because you couldn't sit in your seat. Amazing grace, I wish I was in my seat. Let's just be real, right? We're humans. We get hung up on some crazy stuff. Some crazy stuff. And, you know, let me just, let me just put everyone at ease. The church is made up of crazy people. When we, when we didn't know the Lord, we were all cray-cray in varying degrees. You came to know the Lord. You're saved by grace through faith. You're redeemed, but you're still cray-cray. You're not perfect. None of us are. And the challenge is to engage, to participate, to commit to relationships in this body of Christ that is made up of very imperfect people. Because when someone steps on your toes and you get wounded and you get your feelings hurt and the music was too loud and they didn't play enough hymns and, you know, I hate drums and, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? We forget that, you know what, the church is made up of the redeemed, not the perfect. We're all in transformation. We all are in transformation. So turn to the person next to you and say, just be patient with me, please. Just be patient with me, please. Right? Just, just be patient with me. Right? Because, because we're, it's going to come down to a bunch of imperfect people. Right? When, when my kids went to the Joshua program, and on the very first day, the director said, okay, there's 58 of you, and you're going to live in community for a year. And his illustration, I loved it. It was a rock tumbler. Everyone have anyone back in the day, rock tumbler? You take all these rocks with jagged edges, you put it in the tumbler, and then what happens? <laughs> right? And then they come out, oh, look how shiny. How did the rocks feel in the tumbler? Because here's the deal. This is the rock tumbler. The church is the rock tumbler. God uses brothers and sisters. God uses His Word through His Holy Spirit to get those jagged edges off of us. Right? You, you, you bump up against someone. You step on someone's toes. You have to ask forgiveness. You encourage someone. It's, we're all in this thing. <laughs> let me out, let me out, let me out. Right? Anyone ever want off the rock tumbler? Anyone sit next to someone that kind of is rubbing you, right? No, just don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't. No. Counseling appointments available. Just kidding. No. We're in this rock tumbler, but we have sometimes, if we're not careful, we idealize church. We idealize church. This is church. Everything has to be perfect. He has to be a certain speaker. Right? I'm going to go to church, and I like that church because it meets my needs. When truth be known, the early church was the Jews and the Gentile believers being smashed together. And that was radical, guys. That was the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers being smashed together in the early church, trying to figure it out. Because for hundreds of years, they didn't mix. And now Jesus says, no, you're, you're, you're in my church. You're in my church, right? And for six years, I have watched this side try to get along with this side on our Saturday night services, right? Which is the more spiritual side. And, you know, and then they try to trade people because they didn't like them. You know, I'm just kidding, right? It's a rock tumbler. 
And the early church was a rock tumbler. What happened on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 people got saved. Many of them were pilgrims who had entered Jerusalem, didn't even live there. They got saved and stayed. So 3,000 people are added to the church. Were they singing Kumbaya, loving each other all the time? Oh, no. You better believe that was messy. You better believe toes were getting stepped on and people were getting angry because they were hungry and homeless and no one was meeting. The early church was a mess. But that was God's plan. And His plan for transformation still is to put us together. Because in the community of believers, we grow. Amen? How many of you honestly, through conflict, have matured and grown, even in your marriage? Conflict's not a bad thing. Right? Conflict's not a bad thing. In the church, conflict can be healthy. We don't run from it. Because sometimes, I don't like this. I don't like this. We want to bolt. We want to go find the next greener pastor church. And then it's funny, right? You go to another church and you find out it's the same. It's the same. You know what's funny? I've been in churches long enough from San Diego to here that I find out there's the same personalities in churches. You know, I look out here and I love you dearly, but man, there was a Robert in San Diego. There was a Tyler. I even sometimes I'll tell Nadine, hey, Robert's just like so-and-so back in Oceanside, isn't he? Yeah. There is no greener pastors. The church is the church. It's made up of the redeemed. It's made up of those in transformation. The question for us is, are we going to choose in the power of the Spirit to engage and participate with the body? Right? And so if you flip your notes over, we're kind of transitioning today from the, the church universal to this idea of the local church. Now, I shared with you previously, as we are moving to the well, whenever the Lord finishes the work and we're able to get that done, one of the things He has impressed upon us as a leadership team is to give an opportunity to us, to you, to really seek the Lord if if God is calling you to be in what we call covenant here. Covenant. If If God is calling you to be a part of this as your church home. Okay? We call it covenant here. That's intentional, right? We don't call it membership, right? Because to me, I just membership is too much like Costco and LA Fitness, right? We don't call it membership. We call it being in covenant, which is really just a reflection of what the church is supposed to be, right? In fact, look what I put there. While the term membership as we use it today is not found in the Bible, the Bible is clear about the structure, authority, roles, and responsibilities within a local church. What we might consider optional, like commitment, accountability, service, was assumed, expected, and the norm. Very important that we understand that the early church, okay, they were in covenant. They were in relationship with each other. Now, over time, the way we do church, you know, they developed this thing called membership. Is the word membership, as in go join a church and become a member of a local church, is that in the Bible anywhere? No. You will not find membership as defined that way in the Bible, that term. That doesn't mean that covenant relational principles aren't taught. It just means that word does not appear. Very important. Because, here's an example. Does the word Trinity appear in the Bible? No. The word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. And yet, it is a core principle to evangelical Orthodox Christianity. But that word itself does not appear in the Bible, but the principles of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are taught. So we we call that doctrine the doctrine of the Trinity. But the word doesn't appear. It's the same thing with this idea of being in covenant. Membership doesn't appear, but biblically we understand that there are roles and responsibilities and the way we're supposed to interact with each other are still there. Are still there. Very important. Another, just think about this. The word Bible isn't in the Bible. 
Okay, just, just chew on that, <laughs> right? So, so understand, the word membership may not be there, but the principles of being in covenant and community are. Being in relationship with one another are, right? We find, you know, at the Turner Acts 1-8, local gatherings of believers are called churches. Okay, so it's not wrong to call local gatherings churches. That's Acts 1-8, 1 Corinthians 1-2, right, to the church at Corinth. Okay, so we're still a church, right? There's church government. I put a whole bunch of verses there, right? If you read through the New Testament, many of you have very verse, verses that are very familiar, right? Elders, overseers, he gave some to be pastors, teachers. There's, there's a governmental authority structure found throughout the New Testament. First Timothy, Titus, it's all there. It's all there, okay? And then he even gets really specific. He doesn't just put structure in place. He says, now here's how you're supposed to act. Right? So we're going to look at some of those verses because those are very important. Turn to 1 Peter 5. We'll start with the shepherds. How are the shepherds supposed to interact with those they are shepherding? Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. First Peter 5. Verse 1, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, right? Not lording it over those. One of the reasons that, that maybe some of us right now, it's, oh, here comes that membership thing. You know, here, here it comes. You're getting a little nervous because this is like the pitch, right? Here's the pitch, right? Here's the sales pitch. Oh, membership is good for you. Sign up, right? If you're already kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. Here's the deal. I get that. Because depending on your church background and your experiences, you may have been under churches where the leadership was kind of dictatorial. Kind of lording it over you. You may have not had really positive experiences with church leadership in the past. I get that. And so right away you're like, wait, so-and-so at the other church, they must have skipped that. Right? So I get that. This idea of, of covenant and commitment to a local body of believers, it kind of, you know, there's our flesh, but there's also bad experiences with church leaders and bad experiences with other believers. Oh, yeah. You ever hear this? I love Jesus, but not the church. Oh, yeah, the church. They're just full of hypocrites. I'm just going to stay home and watch Charles Stanley. Right? So we have all these experiences that, that if we're not careful, can color us. Can color us. Okay? So, we're not to lord it over. We're to be eager to serve. Right? We're to be examples. Right? Jesus says, hey, the greatest among you must be your servant. We're not to be lording it over you. Myself, Bill, Tyler, and whatever elders God would call this. We're not, we're not the dictators here. We're not your boss. We're shepherds. We're shepherds. Right? And I know for some, it's like, really? Really? I thought you were paid to tell us what to do. No, 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 no. My calling is to watch you be supernaturally transformed by Jesus. We're to shepherd you. Lovingly shepherd you. I love this verse. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Look what the Apostle Paul says. This is a, this is a theme verse for our ministry here. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. If you want to know what the leadership team here, the elders, what our heart is, what, what lights our fire, what, why, why we do what we do in many senses, here it is right here. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. The Apostle Paul could have brought more correction on the, the Corinthian church, but he, he refrained. He said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And this is what he says, 2 Corinthians 1, 24. 
Not that we lord it over your faith. He's talking about himself and the other church leaders. But we work with you for your what? Joy. Because it is by faith you stand firm. Circle that. Write it down. Here's the deal, guys. I'm called. We are called as elders here to work with you for your joy. Joy. We're not the spiritual principal. We're not the spiritual popo. You don't have to run when you see us coming. It's okay to pick up the phone if it's me. Because I may just be calling because I missed you Sunday. Not to be mad at you. We are here for your joy. Because it says here, it is by faith you stand firm. We are here for your joy to help you grow in your faith. That's it. That's kind of why we do what we do here. Now that joy might be correction. It might be times when we speak the truth. Mark speaks the truth to me for my joy. Right? Mark has called me out the last few weeks. Challenging me as a brother in Christ. Because we're all part of the body. But fundamentally... We are here for your joy. They don't believe me, man. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, they don't believe me. I don't know what you're getting. We're here for your joy. We're not here to fill your schedules up. We're not here to like stick the offering bag. We're not here to fill your to-dos. We're here for your joy. That's, that's it. Now that might mean we speak the truth and we have real conversation. Right? And we express ourselves. We can be real here. It's okay. Because no to you and no to me. There will be times you step on my feet and I step on yours. I've already had to ask forgiveness. <laughs> I think we were here for like one service on a Saturday night and his son Travis used to work the board back there. And I made a joke. And I felt like I hurt Travis's feelings. So the next Saturday... I think it was number two. <laughs> I had to stand up here and ask Travis forgiveness. I love the rock tumbler, don't you? Right? We're here for your joy. So those are our responsibilities. Core. Now let's, let's look at the other side. What are your responsibilities? Right? So let's turn to, you see it there, in the interest of time. Let's just go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. There's a lot of information on this. I understand I can't give it all, and I want you to encourage you to go home, pray, read over it, let the Lord speak to you. But Hebrews 13:17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Isn't that crazy? We're here for your joy, and by golly, you're here for our joy too. That challenge of submission, ooh, that's that word again, right? But it's the whole thing. It goes back to Ephesians 5 where he talks about the marriage and submitting in the marriage. But ultimately, what's the root of submission? We all submit to Christ. All the submission comes out of everyone submitting to Christ. So in this local body, we understand our role and responsibility, first and foremost, is submitted to Christ. This verse right here, this is not necessarily between you and me first. Hebrews 13 is between the body and God first. And here's the radical thing. As we all submit to Christ and fulfill His will for the church, it gets healthy. And He gets glorified. So there's a lot on this sheet, and, and we don't have time to go over it. I encourage you, take the necessary time and say, Lord, how am I doing with this church? Because that last part there, active participation, use of the gifts, here's the thing. There's no such thing as inactive membership in the church. When you were baptized into the church, God says every believer has a gift, and the church grows as every part does its work. Everybody in this room, if you're a believer, with 100%, you have a part to play in the health of the church. There is no insignificant part of the church. Zero. Everyone has a part to play. You have all been gifted. That's the Bible. So as you're 
baptized in, the question is, Lord, what have you gifted me with and how do I use it? Where do you find that expression? In the local church. In the local church. That's all it is, guys. It's a rock tumbler filled with imperfect, redeemed people who are doing our best to love Jesus. Amen? And he felt, he felt in his wisdom to put some yahoos <laughs> to lead the charge. <laughs> you know? By the grace of God, I am what I am, right? I mean, we all have. So, so I encourage you. It, it's relationship here, guys. It really is. It really is. And I wanted to give an opportunity uh, to two people who have been on a journey of covenant with us. Not an easy one, but I thought it would be good for you to hear some testimony of a couple from one of your brothers and one of your sisters in Christ about what it's been like to be in covenant on this journey of covenant with this particular uh, church. So, Kathy, why don't you come on up? of all, uh, this is definitely God's leading, because it sure isn't me. <laughs> um, I don't speak in front of people. <laughs> I never have. I mean, I'm extremely nervous, but uh, anyway, all, all I wanted to say is that, and uh, secondly, I don't feel unique at all uh, in this church body, because I think many of you would give the same testimony to God's covenant, um, a covenant with God and covenant with his church. So um, I can only tell you that uh, how God has been working in my life. (laughs) Um, When I first came on a Saturday night, it's just like Richie said, I came in, I'm way in the back, (laughs) <laughs> the last row, and I'm new. I, you know, it was the first time I came, and I just thought, well, you know, if I don't like this, I'm just going to get up and sneak out <laughs> the back door. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and um, I have to start from the beginning because uh, I came from my former church. Where in the beginning we were reading the Bible and we were studying the Bible in the service itself. And then we weren't. (laughs) And so um, I still, I brought my Bible every Sunday because I just felt, you know, that's what you do. You bring your Bible, even though we're not opening it. So I... This went on for a long time, uh, you know, maybe a year or or more. So when I first came here, and so I'm sitting in the back, and within two minutes, Richie said, "Open your Bible. We're going to read scripture." <laughs> and so um, I literally, I really was. I was sitting back there reading through tears because I realized that that's what's missing. Um, There must have been a reason then why God had me to to keep bringing my Bible (laughs) with me. And um, so I felt like, you know, he was leading me here to this church body. And then, uh, so I kept coming and and um, it was a few months later, and I, I thought, well, I'm going to volunteer to read the scripture reading, because I just thought, well, you know, that's something I could do. And uh, Richie, God bless, I mean, they really, <laughs> you know, had kind of, nobody asked me to read. I volunteered. He didn't know whether I could read or not. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was... <laughs> And he didn't, you know, it's a leap of faith. So he got, okay, <laughs> you know, 
uh, I'm going to read this scripture. So I, you know, but so I literally, I would come, especially the first night on the Saturday night, I'm going to get up and, and read. And so I'm thinking, you know, uh, this was a good idea, but but I'm second guessing and I'm saying, uh, I don't know <laughs> if I can, you know, really do it. I didn't want to mess up. And the, and the thing is, uh, at first, uh, we weren't reading together. I was up here. I'm the only one reading by myself. And so, you know, and I don't like being front and center. And, and I was just afraid, though. I, wa- I was afraid I wasn't going to honor God. I was just going to mess up, <laughs> you know, somehow. So I prayed a lot. But... Uh, and then the other thing, I'm still, you know, the first night, I'm thinking, well, how bad can it be? I'm going to get up. I'm going to read. They don't really know me. I'll just sit down. <laughs> and then Richie says, I get up. He says, say hello to Kathy. <laughs> and I go, you know, it was. I'm just saying the Lord is humorous because... Because I go, well, well, thanks a lot. You know, there there goes, the, you know, remaining anonymous. I'm <laughs> so, anyway, so then uh, Bill and Richie were talking about Covenant, and they came out to meet with me at my house. And, and I want to say, you know, I was so impressed. I really was, because that they would take the time to come out to talk to each one of us, you know, take their time. And they weren't there to to sign me up for anything. They came to ask me about my relationship with God and how I was doing with that. And so I was, you know, nobody before in my experience from other churches they had never come out you know to talk to me individually so I that really impressed me <laughs> um, so after you know I was doing the readings and so then I started to understand covenant you know covenant with God first and then I thought, well, I, I could do some more things in the church, you know, help out. And so God uses things. You know, I thought, well, you know, he blessed me with a nice car. I have a good car. I love to drive. You know, maybe I could help people, you know, offer a ride to the doctor, whatever they need. You know, and, and there again, that's, it's God leading me because much like Richie, um, that isn't me. You know, I'm before, you know, I thought, well, you know, I don't need to do that. Let other people do that, <laughs> you know. So it, it definitely was the Holy Spirit working in me. Um, and it's such, there's such little things, but, but it's a start. <laughs> you know, you start. That was how I started to uh, serve in the church body and in covenant for sure. So um, I just want to encourage you if you're thinking about covenant with this church, uh, you're in the right place. God. I, well, what I mean by that is God brought you here for a reason. I believe that. And, you know, he's guiding you. And um, and it's with this church body, for sure. <laughs> I, You know, it's a beautiful thing. Because, like I said, I what I see is everybody is, in, you know, working in this church. Um, and the other thing is, I just want to say, you know, it's really, really hard work. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. Um, having one foot in the boat and one foot out. <laughs> and that's what I was always doing my whole life, you know, struggling with God. And, uh, you know, but just feeling guilty. 
and I had lots of good intentions, but but that's as far as it went. It never went to the heart level. So, but Jesus, you know, so Jesus says, though, my burden is light, and that's the truth. And then it, it really isn't even a burden, because he's there with you. So, uh, that's all. <laughs> Actually, when Richie called me and asked me if I'd do this, uh, I, I told him the other day I needed at least 30 minutes. And he said, he said I had three. <laughs> so, I still have three? Okay. <laughs> this, this, you know what I love about this church is it, it's joyful. Everybody is joyful here. I, I love it. I'm blessed to be here with you today. When Richie called me, I sure, why not, you know. Um, and Kathy, I want to thank you for your great testimony. It was lovely. The, uh, Bill, you're going to enjoy this. The, the meaning of covenant described in Webster's New Dictionary, copyright 1953. Okay. Covenant, covenant is an agreement among members of a church to hold to points of doctrine and faith. The second definition is is the promise made by God to man as recorded in the Bible. Covenant is a promise to God, not a contract that can be broken or negotiated. Covenant means to me one with God forever. Covenant means to just means not to be just a part of a church, but a participant with God. Being in covenant with God and church helps me feel closer to God. My heart is open all the way. I feel freedom, and I know that God loves me. He even loved me first. I have the desire to serve the Lord, which gives me a sense of peace with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. My wife entered covenant at the same time I did. We had a great marriage, but it's even better now. Because we both, we are both with God going in the same direction together. I am grateful to be in covenant with God and our church. I love everyone that enters those doors back there, or this one. <laughs> and I will be there for them anytime, as, they, as I know that they would be there for me and my wife. I will be anywhere my Lord wants me to be and do whatever he says or puts on my heart. God keeps his promise. We need to keep our promise to him. My Lord is my Father. We are family. My prayer is that everyone makes a promise to God as God promised us. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We are going to uh, take communion because really at the root of, of covenant is redemption. It's the cross. And in fact, Jesus says, if, if you love one another as I have loved you, the whole world will know that you're my disciples. And what is the greatest expression of Jesus' love? It's the cross. Right? In fact, it says in First John, we are to love one another as Christ loved us. So at the heart of covenant, okay, is love. It's just love. Loving God and then loving others. Today it's just, we're learned, that happens in the context of the local church and then to the world. 
It's just love. And so this morning as we take communion, as you hold those cups, just go, Lord, thank you for love. Thank you that I can enter into a covenant with you because you love me first. And we'll take communion in remembrance of Christ. And then afterwards, we're going to take the offering. Okay, and, and the reason we did the offering at the end is this is a, a little card. And if you would like to chat with us about what it means to be in covenant here, when we take the offering, you can just fill this out and drop it in there. And at the bottom it says, would you prefer to meet at your home, the church, or other? Full of beans, coffee connection, anywhere. We'll come to you. And we're not going to try to sell you anything. We're not going to try to sign you up. You have questions? Let's talk. You want to know more about this thing called covenant? What does that look like? Where do you guys stand on this? I have questions. That's that. We just want to be as proactive as we can to invite you, whether you're brand new today, whether you've been here for six years. We want to give you all the same opportunity, as simple as possible. You don't have to find a sign-up sheet somewhere. Take a moment. Fill this out. Drop it in there. We'll, we'll set up a time, and we'll just come to you when it's convenient. And we'll just talk. We'll just talk just to get to know you, okay? So let's pray and we'll take communion. Lord Jesus, thank you for the new covenant in your blood. And Jesus, now, as we just kind of take a deep breath after everything we heard, we thank you for the testimonies of what you're doing, not just in the life of Kathy and Wes, but in so many here. Lord, we do love you. And now we just want to take this time to quiet our hearts and do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. Your love, your grace, the example you set for all of us.